Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and the Eagles are officially 1-0 as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 207. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my buddy Greg Costell from NFL Films to break down everything we saw from the tape with the Eagles in their win over the division rival Washington Redskins here at Lincoln Financial Field this past Sunday. After that, we will jump ahead to this weekend's matchup, Sunday Night Football, Atlanta Falcons feels like these two teams play each other each and every season. Excited to dive into the film with Greg, see what we saw from Atlanta this summer and this past week in week one and their loss to Minnesota. Big matchup here down in Atlanta on Sunday Night Football. Excited to get into that with Greg. And after Chalk Talk, I'm going to get into my scouting report where this week I'm going to break down one of the most disruptive players on that Atlanta front line, and that's Tack McKinley, the former first-round pick, a pass rusher out of UCLA. Get into my notes on him coming out of college and talk about just where he's come so far in his career. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get into now our chat about the Eagles' win over Washington. It's time for Chalk Talk with Greg. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Really happy to be joined once again here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade by none other than NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell. Greg, uh, welcome to week two of the NFL season 2019. I'm fired up tonight, Fran. You are. You're a little, I, a little spicy tonight. I, I'm fired up tonight. Why? Yeah. Well, we just had a great discussion about a coverage we'll, we'll discuss we'll it. discuss it we'll yeah, discuss we'll that as well and you know but you came in a little hot which was good I yeah like i know that. i don't know why i don't know why i'm <laughs> a little right. fi- maybe it's week one i'm I, fired up yeah, you know i'm excited i am there's a lot a lot to watch um yeah. all right well let's get into it the uh the eagles look uh not a great start to the game but great an outstanding finish yes. they, they dominated the last three quarters last two and a half quarters uh of this football game uh and that started with the line of scrimmage to me on both sides of the football but uh, I think we want to talk a little bit about this past game first because we saw, uh, I think a lot of Eagles fans want to hear, you know, all right, what happened with the Eagles? How did they get Deshaun Jackson going? Uh, what happened on some of those big plays? So I feel like that's where I need to start because that's really right. where fans want to kind of hear well, what happened. Can I just say one thing first, though, yes. regard before we get to certain plays and the big plays and everybody is thrilled that Carson Wentz had a big game? Yep. What really stood out to me was the play of the offensive line. They were outstanding. You know, and and... In particular, you know who I thought played really, really well? Uh, Isaac Samala. Yes. Yeah. Did, did you agree I watching agree. the tape? Yeah, I just wanted to go. I figured it wasn't going to be like a, a shoe-in. No, 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 I mean, I, and it was, you know, I wasn't trying to make you, yeah. you know. You know the play that really stood out to me? The fourth-and-one QB sneak uh, by Carson Wentz. And that's usually like a throwaway play. Right, you, right. We usually can't see anything. Which is why I don't remember it real yeah, well. but <laughs> I'm telling you, Greg, if you right. go, go back to that play right. tomorrow, go to the end zone angle, and watch because if you got it from the from behind the Eagles, right. you can see the pad level from Isaac uh, when he strikes Payne. He gets up under his pads, and Payne is like kind of Joe Greenish, like corkscrewed right, right. in the, in the right in the a gap. 
gets under his pads, runs his feet, and puts him three yards into the backfield. I'll take a quick peek tomorrow. To me, like that was one of yeah. the best plays of Isaac's career. He had a good, I had thought, a good game. I thought, say, Amalo, in, and I'm thinking pass protection more than anything yes. right now. He held up well against Payne. I, I thought he did a really good job. I thought Peters played really well. Yep. And Lane Johnson, I thought, had a really good game, especially when he was matched up against Ryan Kerrigan, who over the last couple of years has at times given Lane some problems. Yep. He's given a lot of especially early right, in his career. Right, yeah, a lot of sure. he's given a lot of right tackles yes. problems. Uh, but uh, you know, I thought that he's he did a really good job. So I, overall, I thought the O line did a really really good job in pass protection. Yeah, and, I, and while we're talking about them, you know, the offensive line uh, in the run game. I mean, when you get yep. into the the opening drive of the third quarter, oh uh, yeah, and you get some of those big runs. I mean, some giant holes up front. The one, the the Darren Sproles. I want to say seventeen yarder. We well, had a little spin the move at the end, followed by Sanders on the back end of that. Just outstanding and, blocking, not just by the old line, by the by the tight ends as well. And by the well. way, how good for a rookie is Miles Sanders in pass, pass protection? protection? Couple of really good, both reps, in right? terms of recognition yes. and in execution. I'm glad you said I that. I mean, he is fearless. He yep. steps up. There was only one play where I thought he might not have recognized it, but I'm not a hundred percent. You know, you can sit and watch those plays. 10 times, and because you don't exactly know the protection call, yep. you have to try to keep walking through it. So I may be wrong. Maybe he didn't make a mistake. It didn't turn out to be a problem on yep. the play. But there were five or six plays where he just stepped up and he just nailed a blitzing linebacker, and he is fearless, he's yep. willing, and his technique is – I mean, look, you can always improve technique, but he sticks his yes. – you know, he's the old uh, – uh, you know, stick his shoulder in there, you know, and he... Yeah, stick yeah. his face in the fan. Yeah. To me, like, I, if I were to create, like, a pie chart for what it takes for a running back to be good in pass pro, it's like 45% willingness, 45% awareness, and then that last 10% is technique. Right, right. Uh, and we'll throw strength in with the willingness. Uh, to right. me, like, he showed the 90% you need. The technique can get a little bit better, but right. he didn't need it in this guy. To me, like those two reps were really, really impressive. Oh, he was he, and and like I said, there were four or five of them. It wasn't just one, and that wasn't an area necessarily where we saw a lot of him in Penn State. No, I, that, well, that wasn't an area where I was like, oh man, like this kid's really good. Pass but he run. did it in the preseason too. He did That's that, the that thing. Greg Ward touchdown against Jacksonville yeah. was a big play. Yeah, so I mean. To me, that is such a positive about his game. And I thought he showed some electricity in his running as well. He did. He's got some juice to him. That run that you're referencing after that got them into the red zone, he showed it wasn't just that initial burst to get up through the line. It was that secondary cut at the second level yep. where he got away from the safety. He had like a, a secondary burst yep. there, which I thought was really he impressive. He also had a burst on a run that may have been just eight or nine yes. yards. To, the one they on took the right. outside to yes. the right. Yep. Yep. I mean, you just saw, you know, I'm there, using was that, that in the shot in game there was plan. that was moment where you just went, Wow, yeah, that was he. He just it was a little giddy app there. Yeah, he's yep. got. I mean, he's got another gear. Right? Yeah, he sure does. To me, like I almost look at it with pass rushers, right? Like you know, everyone wants to know, all right, who are the pass rushers coming out of college that are going to be productive in the NFL? If you're a three down player, you've got more opportunities to be productive. Right. When you look at a running back. If you can block, you're on the field on third down. You've got more of an opportunity to be productive. Right. So that really, if he can be a pass protector, that gets him on the field more. Now it's not just always a one-trick pony pass catcher right, or right. he can be an early downs running back. Now you've got the ability to be a three-down player. They've got a nice career. little deal here and you know, a, a nice little problem, let's put it that way, with Sproles, with Jordan Howard, who's who I thought ran well. Yeah, he did. And and with uh, Miles Sanders. The three, I, I actually was thinking about this because I, I watched, I went back and I probably watched the offensive film like seven times today and uh, sorted all the runs by gain. I'm like, all right, let's watch all the big runs. And it was like, okay, one big run by Howard, one big run by Sanders, one big run by Sproles. Like, all right, the three best runs right. were from each back 
I right. think that speaks to what we're talking about, and, and that a lot goes to the offensive line as Without well. Without question. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into the the pass game. Okay. Um, because uh, some big plays, obviously, yes. uh, namely from Deshaun on Jackson on third down. On third. Well, third they were they were they were excellent on third down. To me, that's I know. A, that's a number one. It's going to be a big topic on Eagles game plan this right. week. Spoiler alert for later in the week in the show, and it's the subject actually, of my column this week in Eagle Line the Sky to start. Just before we get to the two fifty yard touchdowns. You know what third down play I really like? I'm pretty sure this was a third down play. I mean, I you know I've watched so much. Is this the today. opposite hash throw? It's the one where Jackson went in motion across the formation. Oh yeah, yeah, it was a great one. It was early. Yeah, it was early in the, early in the game. Uh, not super early. Not super early, but the one where he came where he came across. And Alshon that, ran the clear out and he ran into the flat. It was like third and medium, third and short. No, this was like a 19 yarder. I think it was. Later, I don't know if I this might, was. I don't know if this was I don't know if I put it in my notes. I, All right, I let's might see, not. Let's, uh, I might not have. So they had, I, so know. so Deshaun Jackson had six catches on third down, right. and five of them went for first downs. Two of them were the touchdowns. There was one where he went others. in motion across the formation from the left side of the formation across to the right. Okay, and he ended up catching it at the sideline on the right. And actually, Carson had a little pressure on him. I forget who. Uh, someone got pushed back into him, and he had to make the throw. But he caught it on the right sideline. I think yes. it was 19 yards. You're right. And Sanders was the one who made the block right in front of him. There was yes. The, there was the yes. defender right in his lap. Yes. That's what it was. Yes. I yep. believe that was third down. I think you, you, that was third down. That That's was correct. actually one of my favorite plays because... See, the thing with Jackson is if, if you get him free access, and, and that's what the Eagles will do, yep. the way they... They line up formationally, whether it's bunch stuff, whether they use him in motion like that across the formation. That's why I really like that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the 50 yardists we're going to get to right now, but and those were big plays, yeah. obviously. But that was just an example to me of just little things that make for important plays. Well, explain what free access is for those for the listeners that don't know what that is. That's when you, your receiver can run off the line of scrimmage without any form of press whatsoever. Yep. And when you have a, an explosive receiver like a Deshaun Jackson – who can get up to speed within just one or two steps, you want him to be able to get off the line of scrimmage without any impediment, without mm. anybody in front of him. Yep. And what happens there then is if a corner is then playing with a cushion, what happens is he starts to turn because he does not want to get beat over the top. And once he turns his body... You've got him beat. Yeah, and then you're talking about getting, you know, if he turns outside, you work inside. Right, you right. turn him out inside, right. you work outside. To me, the, the Eagles did such a great job of moving him around. And I he agree. was used in the slot so well. Uh, we, we saw so many, so much use of the three by one sets. Uh, you, you've coined that term, uh, you and Ron Jaworski, the, the receiver distribution and location. Right. I thought it was excellent. And if you could just quickly uh, describe to our listeners what that means and why it's so important for this offense, because I thought they really took advantage of it in this game. What receiver did distribution and location means is it's the number of receivers to each side of the formation. Yep. So, so three by one, two by two. Right. Know, so how are the set the receivers are And then what the Eagles also do is something we call one by three. Yep. It's still three receivers to one side, right. yeah. but the single receiver is the tight end. Yep. And the Eagles do a ton of that. Normally at Zach Ertz, I think as the season progresses you'll see Goddard in that role yeah. more. Mm-hmm. Um but normally it's Zach Ertz. And see, then if you're in that situation, what often happens to that single receiver side, which is 99.9% of the time to the boundary, the back is also to that side. Right. So if you have Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar trips to the field and Ertz and, let's say, Sproles to the boundary side— you put the defense in a little bit of a problem because there's a lot to work with to the trip side, and then you may get single coverage on the back side, and it's single coverage versus Ertz. 
and or Goddard and maybe Sproles. Yep. And Sproles is obviously very, very good versus single coverage. Yeah, and so what would happen in this game was, you know, the Eagles would line up in three by one and they would have Ertz as the ex ISO receiver on the backside. Right. And the the Redskins they weren't a, they're not a team that typically travels their corners in terms of they did a uh, bit with they, Norman in they this did game a little on bit Jeffrey, and yeah. especially a little bit later I yeah. thought because what would happen is uh, I believe it was the the first drive after that second Deshaun touchdown okay so uh, and we'll talk about the plays in, in a bit but after Deshaun you know he he gets free down the side they the next time they went three by one. Landon Collins was out in man coverage on Zach Ertz, and they said we're we're putting our corners right, on the right, receivers. Right, we're not messing right, around right, anymore right. with this, um, but. Just how what they're able to do when they line up that way can help dictate matchups. We saw it Without to me question. all three of those big touchdowns in this game. Right. No, you're exactly right. That's and that's why you do all that stuff. Yes. All right. So let's get into the very first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was the play that we had our offline conversation yes, about yes. in terms of what that coverage was. I felt pretty good about what the what the coverage was, as exotic as it was. And now, it, did you as, think it, you knew the second you saw it? No, it took me some time. I sat here in the studio uh, while we're watching the game, and I we had the all twenty two, and I'm watching, and I'm watching, and I'm watching and I'm watching and I, I'm yelling at Robbie, our producer for game day. I said, play it back, play it back, play it back, play it back. All right, pause it. All right, play it All back. Right, the, the more I, I, I'm trying to get a sense of where these guys are going. Here was my issue with it. Okay. okay. I'm, and again, before we, it's third and 10. Yes. Okay. You and I have watched the Eagles now for a long time. I mean, since certainly yeah. every play since Doug's been yes. here. Yes. All right. A staple route concept for the Eagles on third and long is what we call dagger. Okay. And the way the Eagles normally run it is an, the inside receiver runs the vertical route. It could be a straight nine route. It could be a post route. It could be a deep over route. Yep. Okay. That's, that's some, uh, the, some kind of clear out route to clear up space in the middle of the field. A vertical route. Yes. And the outside receiver then runs a dig. So a deep in cut. A deep in Right into that void in the middle of the field. Right. Some call it a 96 combination because it basically began with a straight vertical, which is a go, and a deep dig route or in route, which is a six route. Yep. Okay, so it's a dagger or a 96, okay? So that's that's a staple for the Eagles yes. on third and long, and this was third and 10. So the guy who was running the, the vertical route was Deshaun Jackson. Now... I don't profess to know a lot, but there's one thing I know. <laughs> he's pretty fast. He is fast, you some know. would say. Yeah. He's pretty fast. Yep. And he's been pretty fast for a long time. It's yes. not a surprise. Right. So he ran the vertical route. Now, the Redskins were in a coverage because he was actually the inside receiver where if he runs vertically, the corner was going to be playing him with outside leverage. Okay. Correct, because he's trying to play inside. So he's playing, he's outside, playing outside the receiver right. to funnel the receiver inside, inside. to his, his quote-unquote right. help. Right. Right, in the middle now, of the field. Now, there's no way that an outside corner, maybe there's one or two in the league who can do this, playing outside leverage is going to get on top of Deshaun Jackson on no. a deep post. Not many, no. No, okay? And certainly not any corner the Redskins have. That's correct. All right? So... That brings me to what the coverage is, which, you know, because essentially what we saw was John Bostic trying to get to the deep middle of the field. Now, for those who may not remember from yesterday, you know, sometimes I forget things. John Bostic is a linebacker. He is a linebacker, and he started. He was a fast linebacker, but he, he started still a down low, lower, right close to the. I mean, he was close to mugging. Like he was yes, close to line yes. scrimmage. So John Bostic was not going to get to the deep middle as essentially a post safety. 
he'd still not be getting there from yesterday. He's certainly not going to get there to He's defend Deshaun. Deshaun Jackson yes. there. So I understand probabilities, tendencies. That's what football is a game of. And I understand analytics and people work off that. And maybe their studies said that some high, high percentage of the time they throw the dig. But you're giving up Deshaun Jackson running to the post. You're giving that up. Well, let's let's tell them why what they were so Bostic was running to the post. And right. the reason why he was running to the post was that before the snap, the Redskins had showed a two high shell. So they Correct. had both their safeties about thirteen yards Correct. off the ball, uh split off just outside the hash. So on it looks like a, a split safety coverage. Looked like it could be cover two or cover four, some kind right. of middle of the right. field open coverage. Right. And at the snap of the so before the snap, Carson's like, all right, we've got dagger, middle of the field's open. This is going Alshon. This is gonna right. be this is going to be a, and Alshon's a running deep the dig day. for a first yeah. round p- or for a first, a first down, down automatic. Right. Snap ball snapped. Coverage the safeties changes. dropped down. He sees the safeties drop. That that depth changes. That's green <coughs> right. light go over right. the top. Right. So that's what he's reading. Right. Yeah. And and I'm fine. With, and, and not that anybody cares what I think, but I'm fine with the idea of disguised coverage. Yeah. More and more teams are doing that now. It's things you have to do well, in, in in the NFL today to. to match up to offenses that are far more multiple yep. and, and and that do a lot in terms of formation and use of personnel. Yeah. So the concept of disguise is wonderful. But in this particular coverage, what you're getting to, you cannot cover Deshaun Jackson going vertical. Yep. So I guess my point is, and like I said, hey, you know, I'm just a guy with a clicker sitting there watching a play 20 times. Greg Minuski is going to go 20? into... Might have been more. Yeah, might have been more in this one. Greg Minuski's going into Jay Gruden after the game or Monday morning when they convene, and basically saying, "Hey, that was our coverage. No problem. We gave up a 51-yard touchdown to Deshaun. No problem. That was just part of the coverage." Is that really what they're going to say? I think so. Because honestly, and look, we talked about it last week, and I thought it was a great point by you. You know, I I'd brought up that uh, all through the summer, I'd seen Washington do a little bit more disguise you know, with their coverage, showing one thing pre-snap, right. moving into a post-snap. And you said, look, I expect more teams to do it this, I this do. fall. And I think that they did it, and they got caught. And they got caught. When you it, disguise, it, I think it, If it was covered, an inverted cover three, which is basically what we're saying yes. that we think it is, if it's an inverted cover three, what they gave up in that coverage was Deshaun Jackson going to the post. Yep. That's what they gave up. That's why I'm struggling with it conceptually. Yes. It, that could be the coverage. Right. But that's why I'm struggling with it conceptually. Yeah. It was uh, a tough go for anyway, Washington. That that it was fired, a fun play that, to break down. That, that fired me up. Uh, but did you, you guys had lots of debates about that? We had office, lots huh? of debates in our matchup room today about that. And what was the presiding thought? We never really came to a definitive point of view just mm. because we couldn't wrap our head around the fact that what they'd be giving up yeah. was Deshaun Jackson to the deep post. Right. The thi- see, the thing about it that I mean, does that make me- sense though? What gave me a little bit of pause about it though was that Zach, or that not uh, Zach Brown, but when uh, John Bostic had sprinted to the post, he and then saw he, Alshon and he and then he stopped. Down a then he throttled like, well, down. That's what the safeties are for. You got to get <laughs> right. on your horse. Or he said, "I'm not getting there anyway." Right, I'll get there anyway. Yeah. Let, me, let me give this a shot. But all right, well, let's get to the second, second one because uh, the second one was a different kind of read by Carson right. Wentz. That you know, this one was a post snap read, an outstanding post snap read by Carson Wentz. Great ball, great catch. This one was a pre snap read. He goes up to the line of scrimmage. He changes things up. I don't know. I'm not positive on what they saw. A lot of the players talked afterwards that, yeah, they showed us a pre-snap look, and that was what, what did you we, think the coverage was when all was said and done? 
So I'm not sure what it was from a co- from a coverage call standpoint. To me, what I saw was the kind of going back to the receiver distributional location. I saw a corner over Ertz on the outside. They felt like they had zone. We're going to attack that zone with two vertical routes. We're going to attack that safety on the near hash with two vertical routes. He can't cover right because it, it, it to me it had a cover four look to it. Yeah, so we're going to attack that safety on the right. near hash. So what they did is again they had Jackson. And Aguilar, and Aguilar kind of ran that sort of cross-country, yeah. you know, over route because essentially it became two-on-one on Monte Nicholson. He had no shot. He wasn't and, in a position and, to play either. Well, and, and also Carson did a really nice job initially yes. of moving him to Carson's left, Nicholson's right, so that he could then make the throw to, uh, to Deshaun. Yep. You know, but uh, it looked like cover four to me. Yeah, so not, not really a busted coverage. No. It was a... The Eagles found the way they knew the coverage and they beat the coverage. And they beat the coverage and every coverage and, can get beat, as we know. Right. Well, any zone coverage. Can every get zone beat, coverage obviously. can get beat, uh, especially if you have a linebacker playing in the post. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, and then and then it was up to Carson. You know, as as good quarterbacks have to be able to manipulate and move yeah. back in safety. So yep. he did a really nice job. And you know, it's funny when you watch the end zone angle, which is a great angle of it. Yeah. All you have to do is move him for a step. That's it. That, that's the way the NFL works. Yep. You don't have to move him five steps. Sure. Literally, Nicholson just took, what, I think a step, yep. and that was enough for the throw to be made. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, outstanding throw and catch. Did a great job leading him up the numbers. Yep. Uh, great job tracking the ball over the shoulder by Deshaun. Um, so, yeah, big, two big plays. Yep. Wanna, let me ask you about the Alshon touchdown real quick, and then we'll move over to the defensive side. Which one? The the first one, the touchdown catch, not the touchdown run, as right. it went down in the right. playbook uh, on that screen pass. Um so, again, another example, receiver distribution location. Right. 12 personnel uh, in the low red zone. I believe it was right right, out, right, right around the 10-yard line. Uh, you had Zach Ertz as the lone receiver to one side. You had a three-by-one bunch set to the other side. Alshon, the point man in the bunch. You had Goddard on his right. You had Deshaun on his yeah. left. Deshaun, not a part of the play. The Redskins had just substituted. There was an injury to DRC, so Greg Strom and the young corner steps in. That's right. In. Landon it might Collins, have been the only play he played. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, yeah. Landon Collins is trying to get him lined up. Right. I don't think it mattered because it seemed to me, Greg, and tell me if I'm wrong, it seemed like they had a banjo call set up, so uh, basically an in-and-out coverage in and where, out, right, right. Uh, where Depending, Alshon's running inside. They're playing inside. the release. Yeah, so, yeah. It, so whoever runs inside, <laughs> right, okay, the right. linebacker's got the him. Release. Whoever yeah. goes outside, right. safety's got right. him. Alshon goes inside. He's matched up on a linebacker off the scramble. There was an easy matchup to take advantage of. Yeah, but I think we we can't overlook the fact that the coverage was pretty good. The throw was ridiculous. The throw was stupid. And when good. you see it, it from really the good. end zone, and again, I know different end teams sometimes. Yeah. I, I saw it from behind uh, Carson. Yes. I don't know how you're. Yeah, the, I think when for the one that goes to NFL, uh, you know, to be spread out, so the ones that'll be out on on um, Game Pass will be from the behind the home team, which is what I saw. Which is what you saw. Which is what I saw as well. Okay. Which, you know, I think the throw was because, you know, when you see the play, first of all, plays like that happen so fast. Yep. You know, you, 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 when he threw it, you, you almost didn't, you weren't sure that Alshon caught it for a second because yep. you just couldn't see it. Threaded the needle. Right. But then when you see it from that end zone look, and first of all, there's, there's hands that he has to get the ball through. Right. And there's, he had to lead him. I mean, he's yeah. running to his right and he has to lead him perfectly. The, there's no margin for error on a throw like that. Yep. It was a ridiculous throw. So the the replay on TV, they showed it from the podium angle from behind. Right. So it was the same thing except down on the ground. The podium is the the cameras that are up in the in the end zone up on those platforms, and 
when Carson releases it, he's Alshon's not in the shot. No, like, you I don't know. See him. That's and, the thing. So it was an it was an awesome throw. Oh, it was ridiculous! Uh, right in the back of the end yeah. zone, right in the in the bread basket. Um, all right, anything else uh, offensively? For <laughs> no, I mean we kind of you know we, we had a little fun with that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get over to the defensive side. Um, can I tell you one player that really stood out to me? Derek Barnett. Couple of really impressive hustle plays. Well, it's funny you say that. And a couple of really good rushes. Yeah, I know he didn't get home for a sack and everything, but he had a couple of rushes that we didn't know were necessarily like in his toolbox. Right. He, I, I said the two Eagles, this was the, after I, I watched the first half, I said the two defenders who flashed in the first half were Barnett and McLeod. Barnett with his pursuit motor and range, and McLeod with his ability to play post safety in the box. Also, a first half snap in which he matched up man to man on inside slot Quinn to trips. There you go. And, um, he, and he was really physical coming downhill, too. I had a couple of nice smacks. Real, yep. And I think they're using him in a, with a little more versatility than before he got injured. Yeah, so he was purely a post guy before. Pretty much. Yep. I mean, it was rare. If he was down, very often it was pretty certain a blitz. he would blitz. Yeah, right. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I thought Barnett stood out. I, if I could say this, I thought that the Eagles' pass rush was very uneven in this game. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think that's probably fair. I think that yeah. th- their four-man D-line rush has to be better as yep. the season progresses. Um, there were a couple of coverage issues. You know, uh, again, I'm not sure exactly what happened on the McLaurin touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I think... There was think, no deep safety. I think they were playing... A, see, I honestly, I think that you're going to see this around the league. I think with all the in-breakers that we've seen around the league... I think teams are going to put more stress, put more importance yeah. on trying to stop those. And I think that's uh, looking around the league. I think uh, and ben, I don't want to take this term. Ben Fennell uh, has been saying this for the last few weeks. Uh, he thinks 2019 will be the return of the deep post as the uh, as the uh, play right. play of choice for most and then, teams. And then plays. they got lucky on the one that that Keenum overthrew. Yep. Which I believe, and I could be wrong, but I think Darby had to overlap that from the backside. Yeah, I'd, I'd want to go mean, back and look at it. I'd yeah, wanna I don't want to. Yeah, rip, sure. Right. It's not a rip. I'm just talking football. Of course. Football. Yeah. No, it's... So I don't know 100%, but I think based on my understanding of the coverage. So talk, so overlap meaning uh, both guys. He was the, dropping, he's yep. the left corner. Yes. Okay. McLaren was on the left side of the formation, so the right against side. Against the right corner. Yep. Against the right corner. So he ran to the post, I believe, against Sidney Jones because Sidney played the second half. Right, and that on that play you're talking about. Yes, yes. he played right corner in yep. the second half. Yep. And he was playing with outside leverage as if it was his own concept. And what happened was there was a motion across the formation, and I believe on this play, if memory serves me correctly, that Malcolm was initially the deep safety, and he dropped down to deal with that either jet or orbit Something motion. Something there, yep. Okay, and I think when he dropped down, you saw him sort of wave his arm too, because the guy who went in motion was was who Darby was over. Yep. I think Darby had to replace. Yep. I th- I'm Has almost sure. I think he had to get over the top to overlap any post route, any yep. deep route. So I think that he was, you know, because as the play sort of happened, I think he kind of went, uh oh. But I, like I said, I don't, I don't want to, you know. Sure. So the, I could those, be wrong, they, but I think can, I'm right. It can always be from a, I'm talking from a defensive standpoint. Can always be tricky uh, with that jet action because of that. I mean, we've seen right. not just the Eagles, a lot of teams get beat on similar kinds of plays where uh, you know when you have those jet sweeps, the receivers right. cross the formation, responsibilities change in the secondary without question. Um, you know, and then not even for the secondary. Defensive front, they, run fits, a lot and everything, of things everything, change. everything changes. Yeah. So, um, and you're you know, seeing that, more and more of that in the league. Yes. And you just made that point that I think you know that that really puts a premium on secondary adjustment, and it's adjustment like that because the yep. ball could be snapped at any time. Yep. And rules change because without going into a, a long deal, 
the way zone coverages work, or even match zones, yep. okay, is that you're responsible for a particular receiver. It's almost based on number. Like there, there's a number one receiver. He's the, the furthermost outside. A number two receiver, you start working inside. A number three receiver, who could be the back, right. depending on the formation. And and in match zone, someone's responsible for one, someone's responsible for two, someone's responsible for three. Yep. If that changes offensively, you have to change in a split second as to, hey, I initially had three, but now I have two. Or I had one, but now, you know, all that stuff can change. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's something that's why, you know, we talked about it here on a daily basis in the, uh, the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast during training camp. The Eagles practice that a lot. Every team in the Every NFL, team they have, does. you have to practice it a lot you from have a communication to. standpoint. You have to. Uh, it's, a, it's a big thing in, yeah. the, in the NFL today. Uh, the big news really coming out of Monday, uh, Malik, Malik Jackson, Jackson. Uh, a significant injury, a foot injury. Yeah, uh, we'll like see IR, how long. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see what, what they decide to do. Um, They've got a deep unit, though. That's I mean, a, that's they the literally thing. played almost two distinct D-line groups. Yep. Uh, I wonder who will take his spot in the in, – you know, sort of in the first unit D line. I guess it would be Ridgeway or, or Jernigan will step up into the start. But I'll tell you what, Ridgeway played a lot of snaps. He did. And Ridgeway flashed. He he's a guy well, you and I both liked early in his career and at Texas. And he, he's he got some, some athleticism to no, him. No he's doubt. not Malik Jackson, but he's got some athleticism to him. See, the thing that really stood out, and it's a shame about Malik Jackson, is they really have three guys: uh, Cox. Uh, Graham and, and Jackson, who are really position versatile yes. when they go to their sub fronts. Yep, yep. And I, I wonder, uh, will we see more Vinny inside? Will you we could, see and more, he's also position he's versatile. That, he's got yeah. that as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, will we see more BG inside? Will we see right. more Vinny inside? Does that mean increased snaps for a Josh Sweat? Who I thought, what did he play? I think he played 10 snaps on defense. He had a, he had a couple yeah. nice rushes as well. Uh, th- to me, like, w- there was all the hype and the hoopla about Josh Sweat in, in the summer. And I, I cautioned. I was like, all right, well, pump the brakes a little bit. Like, we're not saying he's one of the best pass rushers. He's this guy or that guy, uh, you know, right now. Right. All we need is, you know, hey, come off the bench, have a couple of really nice active snaps Play 15, a game. 15, 20 get, get snaps. And that's, yeah. a, that's what you want yeah. for, for a guy in his second year. Uh, and well, particularly with who they have. Exactly. And right. I, thought, I thought that he did I mean, that. you know, he's not going to beat out Derek Barnett or, or Brandon Graham. Right, yeah. And they're good players. Yes, <laughs> so, exactly. And by the way, they were both first-round picks. Right. Uh, to <laughs> me, like, I, I was impressed with what I saw from uh, Josh Sweat uh, on Sunday against Washington. So, um, yeah, it would say to I, me. I was I, also, you know, pleased because I've always been a fan going back to his his. Minnesota years uh, that they played a ton of dime and Sandejo was the dime player. Yes, and 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 by the way, you talk about versatility. I think now we're seeing a ton of versatility with those three safeties and dime. Yes, Jenkins, McLeod, and Sandejo all being asked to do multiple things, including play man coverage on tight ends. Yep, and and. Uh, Jenkins can certainly play man coverage on slot receivers if need be as well. We saw McLeod have a snap of that. We actually saw Sandejo. Um, I think it was Thompson he matched up to on so. one play. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. So, I mean, we're seeing a lot of versatility with those three safeties and how they can be deployed in their dime sub-package. And what does that mean for you from an, a game plan perspective? It's tough to be you're, – you're not predictable as a defense. Well, it means that you can't go into a game and say, here's the matchup we want to exploit yeah. because you don't know if you'll get that matchup. Right. That's good. Yeah, that's a good point. And then so, uh, I would say to go on the other side of it against the run, and we'll kind of wrap it up after this um, from this game. I thought the run defense was outstanding. Oh, it was, it was great. I, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, they, what was it, 29 yards rushing total yeah. for the Redskins? There was one uh, play where um, I forget who's – it might have been the left guard or the – I think it was Flowers. Okay. When Brandon oh, Graham yeah. oh, so just I have jacked him up. Oh, so he so it was like a tackle trap play where – or a guard – It was either, they, it was they either power the or I forget yeah. the exact – 
They brought flowers over, and he got stonewalled by BG. I and mean, it was almost like a secondary reaction. Yeah. Like, like Graham hit him, and you thought, okay. And then all of a sudden, like a half a beat later, flowers. It was like an aftershock. So you know the play I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know yeah, exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. So like Brandon Graham, <clears throat> there was no, no sacks, no QB hits, I don't think. Right. But he flashed against the run multiple times. Yeah. He sniffed out that screen. Right. He had a couple hustle plays. He did a great job on that screen. I know the player you're Brand, talking about. I mean, about. this is Brandon Graham. Like, yeah. This, is, this yeah. is Brandon Graham. He'll get his sacks. Yeah, he'll hold, yeah. they will come. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get to this weekend's matchup because um, an interesting one. It feels like these two teams play yeah. every year with Atlanta, and it's been and a tough week one. I think we have to one. be a little careful about Atlanta with the week one game for a number of reasons. Tell, me, tell us why. Um, let's start defensively. With third defense. Yes. Okay. I think that defensive approach, and we don't know this for a fact. Yes. We know nothing for a fact after one week. Correct. Other than all the definitive judgments I heard on a Other number. than John Bostic can't play free safety. Well, we that I feel good about. <laughs> that I feel good about. Okay. Right, right. But of course, after week one, we've now made definitive judgments on everything. Well, of course, yeah. Right, because that's what we do. Yeah. But, you know, I was watching the tape of the Falcons' defense and the Vikings' offense. Yep. And I, as I was watching it, I'm thinking, are they playing the way they're playing with all these odd fronts, these this five-across bare front with a zero technique and two, three techniques because of who they were playing against? Because the, the Vikings... Now, they did have some of those fronts against 11 personnel, not many, but the Vikings played a ton with... 21 personnel, 12 personnel, 13 yep. personnel. They're a downhill running football team. I tend to, I, I actually think because they, they did a lot in the summer. Right. In preseason, so they again, did a lot I, of it. I don't know the answer yeah, to this. Right. You know, but that's not, the Eagles' run game will not be exactly like that. Yeah. I don't know that they'll do as much in terms of like a pure bear front. But they've been doing they a lot of those ton odd, of bear. They've been doing a lot of those odd looks right. with, uh, you know, with both tack. Because here's the thing is like, you know, Vic Beasley, ever since he came into the league, first he's a DN, then they moved right. him to linebacker, then he's back at DN, now he's back at linebacker, and they list him as the Sam backer. Right. To me, I look at these fronts, and I'm like, they're in an odd front. Your DNs are Jarrett and Bailey. Right. Your nose tackles Davison. You're standing up McKinley and Beasley. Right. Beasley's rushing off the open side, and McKinley's lining up to the Sam side. To right. me, I look at it, and I'm like, this is an odd front. This is a 3-4 front. In, th in theory, yes. You know, In terms of yes. like how the guys are distributed across right. the line it's, it's scrimmage. It's a 3-4 in terms of... of guys with their hand on the ground, but they weren't lined up in the way old old people like me think of a 3-4 where right. they're too gapping. No, because that, they they're, were, they're not too gapping. Uh, no. The only guy who was really head up was was the uh, nose. Was Davison, yeah. And, and the other two D-tackles slash D-ends, whatever you want to call them, right. were gap players. Yes. Which, so, I mean, we've seen, right. I mean, we've seen so again, of one gap, three, four teams. They could, maybe this is something they've evolved into and they want to play this way. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of teams that are playing a lot more uh, Fran, because I see a ton of the league of it, right? that, that are lining up now with these five across mm. bare front yeah. looks. Mm. Um, the Patriots have been doing it for years. Right. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't feel certain saying that, hey, this is what we're going to get. But put that aside for a minute. I think there's a number of matchups here that can, the Eagles can exploit in this okay, game. Okay, what do you like? What do you like here? I, I kind of like who's ever in the slot against Demonte Kazee. Okay. Yeah, because they they Casey hadn't done much in the preseason from a play standpoint. Chris Cooper had lined up in the slot for them, and I didn't know much about Chris Cooper, but they lost Brian Poole in free agency. Right. He said, all right, well, Casey had played some safety for them last year after well, he, he went down. Well, he replaced Ricardo Allen yeah, after he went Allen, down. Exactly. So, now, Casey was a corner, an outside corner in college. Yeah, that really productive but one. But most people thought he wouldn't be an outside corner in the NFL. I didn't. I was one of them. Right. So he ended he's up a good being player. safety, yep. and now he's in the slot. You know, 
I'm just wondering, you put Deshaun in the slot, yep. even Aguilar in the slot. Uh, you know, I feel pretty good about that matchup for the Eagles, assuming there's... Now, they played a lot of man coverage out of the bare front, which yeah. killed them in the run game, by the way, because what would happen is you lose a lot of run support when that tight end who has a linebacker right over him just releases forward, and that linebacker has to has leave to run his run them. support. Yep. So they got burned a lot. Again, I don't know if this was all specific to Minnesota or if mm. that's what we're going to see this week against the Eagles. I just don't know. But I don't see them as playing that much man, and I really don't think they will against the Eagles. But like I said, it's week one. You don't know. There's no trends yet. Yep. We don't have a, a, a large enough sample size to say, or I don't believe so, mm. that this is what the Falcons will do. Yep. I, I, to me, like I, I went in, um, you know, just coming into the season. I don't rely too much on preseason film, except for the teams that uh, either are breaking in like new staffs, right? Or if they're in the first, like we'll say two or three weeks. I know some teams will do up to four weeks in their preparation for preseason. Uh, you know, the first four teams they play in the regular season, they'll look at their preseason stuff. Um, I really wanted to look at Atlanta because I said, all right, I know that they were trying some different things from a defensive standpoint. I watched, and they were working in a lot of those different fronts they, in the summer. Lot, yeah. And that was I pulled a bunch of those plays for use for Eagle Eye and yeah. for, uh, for game plan and things like that. You're not but, necessarily wrong. Yeah, There's I'm, no right or wrong I'm, right I'm here. I'm interested to see how yeah. they play it. I'm yeah. very interested to see how they play because it. Because they were, you know, with, in the years Dan Quinn's been there, three now maybe? Was the Super Bowl his first year? Uh, I forget or if it was his first year. or second. Well, whatever, but, three or but either four way, years. I mean, they, they had an identity. They've been, they've been a 4-3 front. Yes. You know, 4-3, one-gap front. That's and what they've been. cover three. And cover the three. End, like, and then they played a lot of cover one as well. Right. They've morphed single into high, playing yeah, more right. of that, but they've been a single high defense. Yeah, clearly. Right. That's, been, that's been their identity. Yeah. And we're going to yeah. play fast, and we're going right. to run to the football. We're going to be violent and That's urgent. why they drafted a guy like Deion Jones, who some might see is a little undersized, but he fits exactly what they do. Yeah. Who's the best player on that defense in your mind right now? I think they have three really good players at, at all three levels. I think Grady Jarrett's Jarrett, yes. really good. Yep. I think Jones is solid. Yep. I think Keanu O'Neill is very good at what he does. And he's coming off the knee, yeah. too, which is tough. I've I mean, always I liked Devondre he... Campbell, too. Yeah. More than maybe most. Yep. I think he's a really good player. And he's a versatile player, for sure. You know, they've got two questions in the secondary right now. They've got Oliver, who's a second-round pick from Colorado. Second-year player. Yeah, second-year guy. A lot of people liked. I, I thought he had a real shot to be a good pro, but he's obviously starting for the first time. Yep. And Kazee, you know, in the, in the slot. He's a new slot corner. So it's a different position than he's played before. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Let me ask you this one question. We'll move off uh, from this defense. What are, what are the advantages? Why would they want to play that bare front against the what, – what are the advantages of that bare front for a defensive front? Like, what, what do they get out of it by lining up that way? Well, it's not just the bare front. It's the, it's the five across with sort of the wide stand-up players. So anytime we say bare, it's really <coughs> if the guard, center guard are all covered up. So meaning there's a line across yeah, them. Yeah, But so we're, we're talking about five over five. What does that do but for But normally the, the, the two outside guys are pretty wide. Yep. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to control the inside, yep. muddy up the inside, but you also, because of those two outside guys, theoretically can set the edge. It's hard to get around those outside guys, yep. theoretically, on the blackboard. Yes. Okay, now it doesn't always work that way. Right. And I thought McKinley had a couple of bad snaps in this game where he came too hard inside mm. or straight up the field and gave up the edge. Yep. And when you play the Eagles, that's a big deal yeah. because we know the a lot of the Eagles' run game is at a shotgun and it's it's out that outside zone yep. and you can't give up the edge. 
Uh, one quick side note, I thought Minnesota uh, really blocked their butts off in this game. Offensive line, tight ends, I thought they were really impressive watching them on film. We played Minnesota in a yeah, few weeks, so yeah. I kind of earmarked that. For now, now again, just as, as an aside, and we'll discuss this when we get to Minnesota, yep. I think that's the way... Mike Zimmer wants to play. Now, Now you're not going to, every week, your quarterback's not throwing 10 balls. That's but that's, unrealistic. But that's what they want their identity to be. You wonder what his reaction will be when he has to throw 27 times in two weeks. Or 11 or, times. Or, yeah, <laughs> correct, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, let's get over to Atlanta's offense. And it, this was a tough one because... Yeah, and I think you have to be a little careful about this, too. Yeah, let's, new, uh, new I, system. I think we have to talk more about what they, they are and want to be as opposed to okay. just what happened in this game. Okay, so what do they want to be? I think they want Dirk Cutter now is the new. And Dirk Cutter's been there before. Yes, he was. Okay, I think they want to be a one one back run the ball team. Yep, with the play action pass game and working the middle of the field. And again, none of this is one hundred percent. Yeah, but working the middle of the field with their route concepts, getting behind second level players, ideally linebackers, uh, who are. You know, dealing with with their with run, run fits yep. in, in in the in the uh, run game. Yep, I think that's what they'd like to be. You saw and a then, little bit of that in this game, right? Yep, right. But I think you know, look, Matt Ryan threw two picks. He threw seven all of last year. He had a bad game, and the two picks were bad. And they had a fumble in the red zone as well. Correct. So mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I, it, there's only 16 games, so you don't dismiss it and say it doesn't matter. But this is not they. They're going to be playing at home. It's Sunday night football. You know. Emotion does matter in football. This will not be an easy week of practice mm-hmm. down in, in Falcon Land. Yep. They're not a terrible team. They've got good uh, players. Uh, they've lost their rookie uh, right guard, Chris Lindstrom, so yeah. it's going to be Wes Schweitzer, who I believe played last year. No, anyway. no they did say Jamon Brown will step in at right oh, guard. Oh, Jamon Brown. Jamon okay. Brown will step in. Okay, and he started numerous games in yep. the league. Yep. So, you know, I don't think their offense will be any different. Right. Um, they'll be prepared to play... What what they would view as Falcon offense. Yep. So I think this is a case where the Eagles, their pass rush has to be ready. They've got to play with tremendous discipline because if you hit guys like Ridley and Jones with in-breaking routes on the move yep. and they have run after catch, it's a tough deal. Yeah. Now, I think when you look at this team, uh, it's a team that there is a there's a definite identity. And you, you highlighted it. You know, they, right. they want to be able to run the football right. uh, and then they're going to work off of that uh, in terms of the play-action pass game, attack the intermediate area, attack the deep area. Dirk Cutter's a, team, a coach that wants to be able to push it right. uh, you know, when they can. Look, look He's back. not a dink and dunk kind of no. offensive coordinator. No, and they, they did do it a little bit in this game. I think just trying to build right. into a little bit of a rhythm, but you start to see in the second half some of those concepts right. really kind of come to the top. And I think the other thing, too, the first game of the season, you're so jacked up. You've been game planning for this literally since yep. the schedule came out because I've talked to coaches and that's what they do. And then all of a sudden, before you can blink, you're losing 7 nothing. Right. And and not that 7 nothing is, you know, but it's just there's there's a mindset. Like all of a sudden, you're preparing, you're preparing, you're down 7 nothing, and it just, the game feels different right away. Yep. You know, that's why the Eagles win was so impressive, uh, because they came back in a situation where Carson Wentz had not taken a snap in a preseason game, and they came back. Yep. You know, because they were down, what was it, 17-3? 17-0. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because the, the first Jackson made it 17-7. Yep. But, so, the you know, I think we know what the Falcons' offense is, what it probably will be as the season progresses, whether it gets to that Sunday night. Obviously, if you're an Eagles fan, you hope it doesn't quite get to that. But it wouldn't surprise me if they come out and they're really sharp on Sunday night. Yeah. And I think the Eagles secondary is is a spot that, you know, 
I don't want to say it's a question mark. That'd be too negative. Right. But I think if, if all goes well for an offense, I think the Eagles secondary really has to play well. I mean, take us back to week two. Literally a year ago this week, the Eagles went down to Tampa Bay uh, to play the, the, the Bucks, a dirt cutter offense, and they they worked us. I mean, right. they, they they had they basically had their pick in the past game. Now Ryan Fitzpatrick, they had Deshaun Jackson, right. but. You got Julio Jones, you got Calvin Ridley, you got Muhammad Sanu. Sanu. Austin Hooper, a good I, tight end. I wasn't a big fan of Hooper coming out. This was this summer has been the best yeah. that he's looked, and he caught. I think he caught seven balls the other night too. Yeah, so I mean, you got to. This is a, a little bit of a be careful game, particularly early, because the last thing you want to do on the road is all of us. You know, you don't want to be down seventeen nothing in Atlanta. Yeah. I will say the big thing that Minnesota had going, they they got after Ryan. I mean, they they sure did. They they own the trenches right, defensively. Right. Well, that's, that's why the Eagles need, pass need the rush. Eagles in this time. Yep. You know, I, to, to my way of thinking, is going to have to be a little more disruptive, yeah. consistently than it was this past week. Because right. for the most part, I mean, there were some really good rushes, um, and I think you mentioned Derek Barnett. I think he had a really good rush against uh, Donald Penn, as I he recall. Had a couple good ones yeah. against him, yeah, because he he switched sides, yep. a couple of times too. He, he you know he worked on the right side on the left side but I think they're going to have to be a little more consistently disruptive because Matt Ryan is a quarterback who's at his best when he can step into throws right yep so you don't necessarily have to sack him, but you have to muddy that pocket so he can't really step into his throws. Sure, well, it's it's going to be an interesting matchup, and um, you know I I agree with you wholeheartedly. You can't go in as you're an Eagles fan. You can't go in and look what Atlanta did last week and say, oh yeah, like this. Oh, know, this is an they, they, they've got this one. They they have talented it's, players. It's a battle tested team. It's Correct a team that's been there. So they Matt they Ryan it. last year, by the way. For a team that was seven and nine, by the way, his worst record as a starting quarterback in all his years in the league. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, that's uh, I had that. a ridiculously good year that was overlooked because yeah. they were seven and nine. Right. I mean, last year Matt Ryan threw for just about five thousand yards, yep. thirty-five touchdowns, and only seven picks. Sure. Yeah, I mean it's. it's and I hate using numbers, group. No, but, but, it's an but the numbers group. say something about yes. the kind of year he had. I agree. Well, Greg, uh, excited to, to dig into the tape uh, this weekend, and uh, we'll get you back here next Monday night to talk through uh, hopefully what's another Eagles win. All right. Sounds good, Fran. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell, and while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on any form of social media. That's one way to support the show, but the other way, the best way, my favorite way, is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever podcasts can be found, wherever you listen, and just give us a rating. It could be five-star. That, that'd be nice of you. Give us a five-star rating. Leave us a comment. Tell us if you like the show, what you want us to improve on, a segment you'd like to uh, see done, a question you'd like answered. We've got a couple of those here today. So anything that you want, go leave us a comment. And that's just not only does it help us make the show better, but also boosts us up the rankings a little bit, makes us a little bit more visible to other fans that are looking for similar kinds of shows. So really appreciate anybody that's able to do that. And like I said, a couple of comments here today from our Apple podcast page. First off, uh, Cardfan2018 left a five-star review saying how much they love the podcast, love hearing Greg back on the program. Really appreciate you uh, listening in and leaving that comment, Cardfan. Thanks so much for the uh, for the feedback. Next question, River DDT Love the week one preview of Washington. And the big question that they've got, this was before the game on Sunday, so leading in. Do you think that the Eagles will come out fast or will they struggle since so many players did not play in the preseason? How many weeks will it take for them to get up to full speed? In the past, I think the rule of thumb was four weeks. What is it now? 
And River, I think that's a good question. I look, the, the Eagles did not start fast in this game, obviously on either side of the football, but this would be my counter-argument uh, to whether or not it's about the preseason. Look, on defense... That unit played a good chunk of the preseason. I would say the traditional amount of snaps of what you would expect in preseason. They've got a couple series, uh, a series or two in that first game, maybe about the first quarter, you know, a little bit less uh, in the second game, and then close to the first half in the third game in the dress rehearsal, quote unquote. So, you know, defensively, you know, you had missed tackles, you had some coverages where you know some big plays happened down the field. So uh, while it didn't start fast on offense, where not as many of the starters played. That was you could say the same on defense. So I don't think it's a preseason thing. I think around the NFL, you look at it right now. Teams, the you know the Thursday night football last week, uh, Green Bay and Chicago it was great to have football back. Wasn't exactly the cleanest game from an offensive standpoint. Usually, what happens is defenses are ahead of offenses this time of year. It does take teams a little bit of time to kind of get into the swing of things, especially with live action when the games really mean something. I wouldn't put anything into it from a preseason standpoint. I think ultimately it's just everybody kind of getting back into the speed of things and getting into where they feel like, uh, not necessarily in game shape, but just getting back uh, to the to game speed and what they expect from regular season action. So really good question there. Really appreciate the feedback, as always, uh, from Card Fan and from River and all of you out there for listening and all of your continued support of this show and all of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, I told you we would go into my scouting notes on Tack McKinley, a former first-round pick out of UCLA for the Atlanta Falcons. Let's get to that now in our scouting report. In those lights, we're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Tack McKinley, this was a guy that I really liked, and this was the 2017 NFL draft. This was the draft that was held here in Philadelphia. The Eagles had selected Derek Barnett earlier in the first round. A little bit later, Tack McKinley goes off the board. I had Barnett personally a couple slots ahead of McKinley, but I still liked McKinley, and we'll get into my notes now here. Uh, just some of the kind of the Cliff Notes version. Two-year starter for UCLA. Uh, he played there for Tom Bradley. If you're a regional fan that live in the air, you may be aware of Tom Bradley. He was a longtime defensive coordinator at Penn State. He he left and went to UCLA uh, and now is not there anymore, obviously, uh, with Chip Kelly being the head coach, but was there under Tom Bradley, a two-year starter. Uh, he was a first-team All-Pac-12 player his final season there, finished second in the, in the conference uh, in sacks. This is a guy that really, I just love the way he plays, and I'll just get into uh, how he was used. Lined up primarily off the right side, played both out of a two- and three-point stance, did slide inside a little bit, so had some positional versatility, which I liked, was used in a lot of different ways. Very good athlete. You saw that on film. His play speed jumped off the tape when you watched him. Uh, all the physical traits you looked for in a pass rusher. Quality burst, quickness, change of direction, flexibility, balance. Uh, he was capable of winning off the snap as a pass rusher, fired out of his stance, and he got into the backfield quickly. Quickly, I just love. He had explosive traits, and that was one of the things that really stood out to me was that you know this guy can get from point A to point B in a hurry. Uh, as a pass rusher, his go-to move was his bull rush. That was definitely his bread and butter. Really kind of developed a, a knack for working speed to power rushes uh, in his final season on campus, which was really good to see. I didn't see that his sophomore year, so to see it as a junior, I thought was really impressive. And then he worked in a couple of other moves. He had a double hand swipe. He had a rip move. Uh, he had a couple other things he worked on. But that bull rush, that was really his bread and butter, and that's how he made most of his money uh, at UCLA as a pass rusher. Did a really good job attacking the throwing arm. Typically arrived at the quarterback. Very bad intentions. Just a very violent, urgent player. He, When I saw that he was picked by the Falcons, it didn't shock me because he kind of fit that play personality of what they look for, especially on defense there with Dan Quinn. It really kind of fit their personality as a unit. Just a really fun player to watch. I liked that he did, never lost sight of the football. To me, that's a very underrated trait uh, with defensive linemen or guys that aren't constantly 
constantly searching for the ball and really have a knack of knowing you know where not only where the football is but also where the quarterback is. Don't get deeper than the quarterback. We always talk about that. Having a defined plan as a pass rusher. He wasn't quite there in terms of his plan and in terms of attacking offensive linemen, but he at least always had a knack for being able to find the football and chase from behind. Was constantly looking to make plays in pursuit. Had a really high motor. Like I mentioned, the violence, the urgency. That showed up time and time again, week after week. For a guy that played hurt, and you know, he had a shoulder injury uh, that was revealed in the pre-draft process. He had played through, I believe it was for more than one season. I think he heard it before his sophomore year. So for two years, he's playing with a bum shoulder and playing the way he was. I mean, that was really, really impressive to me and to other people. Uh, I know that you know I had spoken with from around the league. Uh, his toughness that he showed, his competitiveness uh, really shone through on the tape. And then also talking with him in person, a lot of, a lot of people really wanted to root for this kid and everything that, you know, a lot of people knew his story, uh, came from a pretty rough upbringing. So there was a lot to root for with Tack McKinley. Held up fairly well against the run. He did a good job from a technique standpoint with his hands, understanding how to drop his weight. Again, competed at the point of attack, even dropped in coverage at times. So you're talking about a guy that had position versatility. He had scheme versatility. You liked the personality. A lot to like there. But Overall, a very raw player because he wasn't a polished pass rusher yet. I mentioned doesn't didn't have a really developed pass rush plan, so wasn't able to string multiple moves together. If an offensive lineman blocked him on his first rush, did he have any the ability to counter and complement that? He didn't quite have that. If he didn't win off the ball, he wasn't going to win late unless it was through pure effort. And that was one of the, my big knocks was that. Not a lot of his sacks came off of skill or strength or speed. A lot of it were high effort plays, which is great. But in terms of guys that you want to say, all right, like how does he win? That can be a little bit tricky sometimes. So that was one of the big knocks. I wanted to see him get a little bit bigger and stronger. He didn't have the ability to consistently collapse, even though the bull rush was his go-to move. You didn't see it quite get a ton of pop, a ton of movement all the time on contact. So I wanted to see him get bigger and stronger, get better with his hands. But if you're talking about what can you teach and what can't you teach, he had those athletic traits. He had that competitive fire that you want to see. Now, okay, we can get him in the building. We can get him bigger. We can get him stronger. We can work with his hands. And I think ultimately when you look at him now, he's gotten better uh, in terms of his strength. He certainly has got the ability to hold up uh, at the point of attack. He's shown a little bit more pop uh, on those speed-to-power rushes. I would say he still relies heavily on that bull rush. There are times where he's able to mix in different things from a pass rush standpoint, but overall, a guy that really relies on just getting inside your pads and then I'm just going to outwork you. And so you know That's the kind of player you're going to see here taking on the Eagles on Sunday night, whether he's coming from the right or left. We mentioned earlier with Greg, they've definitely changed some things up schematically on that Atlanta defensive front. So we're going to see Tack McKinley in a lot of different techniques used in a lot of different ways. But that's really going to be the mentality that you're going to see from this kid. He's going to come at you with effort. He's going to come at you with fire. And he's going to come at you with a strong bull rush. That's going to be his plan of attack. I'd like to see him, you know, just from a, a scouting perspective, I'd like to see him continue to develop some more pass rush moves and really kind of further that plan of attack along a little bit. He's now going to be in his fourth season, uh, or his third season, rather. So uh, a guy that you'd like to see continue making that jump, but uh, look, I wrote down in the end of my notes, wouldn't shock me if five years from now, if he was going to be the best pass rusher in that class. That's what I wrote with him uh, coming out of UCLA because he had those traits, uh, things that you like to work with. He's clearly not there now, um, getting a, but just getting a little bit better. So that's that's how I feel about Tack McKinley, a disruptive Atlanta front. Like I mentioned, a lot of the pieces there that you have to worry about, but uh, an interesting group taking on a very strong Eagles offensive line, a group that looked really good this past week against Washington. All right, that'll, that'll do it 
a great week here. Greg Cosell was outstanding as always. Really appreciate all of you out there for listening. Thank you again. And again, the number one way, go give us a little bit of love. Look, we're almost tapped out with questions. So if you want a question answered, whether it's about this matchup or next week's matchup against Detroit or the week after that in Green Bay, just jump on, get ahead of the game, throw a question on there. We'll make sure to answer it here on the show and we'll centralize it to that week's matchup. All right, that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the NovaCare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.